Good evening or afternoon or morning or whatever time that you were listening to this. This is Rachel Vote. Uh, this is a good girl's guide too. And if you just listened to the roll-in segment about Spotify and then hear my voice now, they might sound slightly different. I apologize, but I think I am two-thirds of the way through a cold uh, and this is what you get. And I will be lucky if I don't completely be scratchy by the end of this, but let's roll this out because I'm excited uh, to get to some content today per the usual. You know, uh, I put the link tree in the bio for ways to connect with me. Just know that this is your free 99 content, of course, between um, TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and a private VIP page where you gotta be 18 years or older and identify as feminine energy to be a part of it, uh, which is just so fun and special, but most importantly, a safe space to learn and can conversate about sexual wellness and intimacy building, uh, all of that. And if you wanna do a personal development class or one-to-one -one sessions, which is the most popular so that we can really pinpoint and focus on you, you'll find that all there. So uh, today's conversation is, it's, man, I feel like this is maybe something I have been trying to process and digest on a greater level for more than um, a couple of weeks or even months. And I think that you might be able to relate to that conversation in terms of like maybe there's things in your life that it only takes a couple of seconds or even maybe minutes of your day to process and digest. And then there's some things that you maybe need to sit on for a couple of days. Maybe there's some things that you need to sit on for a couple of weeks and maybe some months and even some years. And this is just one of those things that I feel like has just been kind of going back and forth at me for a few months. So let's talk about this a little bit today. So I, not everyone is like this, I believe is what I'm going to title the podcast. So, um, you know, what we talk a lot about in the last, let's say, 18-ish months, almost really, almost two years, from 2018 to 19 when I had a quarter-life crisis and then, you know, having such gratitude to the universe for providing that to me before a panini because, um, you know, having a Pizza Hut slightly after obtaining some life skills was pretty fantastic. So what I'm saying is that the dumpster fire that was 2020 of a pandemic, I don't know that I, I say this a lot. I don't know that I would have survived it, especially financially. I don't think I would have survived it. I don't even want to think, honestly. I don't really go down that road a lot because I don't have to. Thank the Lord and the universe and Mother Gaia. Because uh, where I was when things were unstable for me personally, the world was still pretty stable. And when, the thing, when things fell apart <laughs> globally, I was more solid than I'd ever been as an individual. So it was divine timing for me. And I don't know how your experience was, but I just send you all the love in the world that it was something that you feel like you got something out of or are recovering from now. But I took 2020 with a little bit of a stale taste in my mouth into 2021. Because I did so well, I would say towards the, I'd say the first three quarters of the year, by the fourth quarter, I still feel like individually I was doing pretty well, but because I felt like everybody else around me wasn't in that, I mean, again, it was just an energy about the world. It wasn't anything I'm saying like within my friends groups or whatever. It was just everybody. I think everybody was just compounding this, this energy was just, it, it was too much. And so starting in 2021, I just, I felt a very... <laughs> A very very broad range of ambivalence uh, a lot of swaying back and forth into emotions and trying to pay attention to them feeling a lot of energy to get things done and then feeling 
the exact opposite, not like really ever wavering in a place of like flow where it's like I constantly felt like, okay, it was like one or the other all the time. And it felt like it was this nagging need for answers and wondering if I was the only person who was feeling this way. So I'll tell you through a lot of personal development, a lot of shadow work, a lot of isolation, not intentionally. I don't recommend the isolation part, by the way. I definitely had some communities, but none of it was really like tight, grit, tight knit within my, my um, immediate social circle. I don't know why the word escaped me. My immediate social circle was not there and not necessarily because they weren't trying to be, but I was isolated. And that isolation was both a gift and a curse, of course, because isolation led to, I would say, some depression. But the reflective properties that I was gaining through the groups I was choosing, like this ACM's, uh, ACIM study group, which is A Course in Miracles, that's something I got into about a year ago. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But the reason I'm sharing this is because, you know, for me, not being in those social spaces as much as I was before... I mean, I was looking at everything, I think. I was looking at my business and my relationships with my clients. I was looking at the thing that was ever growing in terms of coaching and the skill set that was coming behind that and the identification of both mind, body, soul for the human, like understanding the psyche, understanding energy, all of that. I mean, that's what I spent a lot of time trying to put puzzle pieces together. And one thing I can identify is that everyone has trauma everyone has trauma and we're all dealing with it on a gradient scale and the problem is is that we're all judging each other for how we're dealing with our trauma without understanding that we're all a part of that system uh, and also not acknowledging that it's a gradient scale because I, I talked about this recently where you know you look at something um, as like a street drug so let's talk, talk about like crack cocaine heroin these are things that like oh my gosh putrid in terms of the level of catastrophes it can cause to a person's life right but then you look at something like prescription pills and prescription pills are just a classier addiction that's it quote-unquote classier addiction expensive they still cause massive turmoil in your personal life as well as the relationships around you but there's less judgment that goes in association to that and I don't I mean I mean we can make our assumptions but I think there's a class um line there um I think that even maybe even potentially that like, you could say like there's a physical appearance change that happens sometimes when you're taking the street drugs versus, I mean, I think, I don't know, man, I don't have that. I don't have much exposure to prescription pain uh, med issues, so I, I can't attest it. I'm just trying to give you the example, and I think you get that. So everybody has trauma. It doesn't matter your class level. It doesn't matter uh, where you came from. Everybody's got it. Nobody is free from it. Everybody is uh, responsible from healing from it, so not everybody's currently, like, operating from their trauma. Let's, you know, get things straight, but not everybody knows they're operating from their trauma, so there's that too, which is programming. So everybody has trauma, and everybody has programming. Programming, as I define it, is um, the time that your mind is most moldable, which is from birth, but really at like two to three years when you start to form identity and um, understanding your surroundings and adapting your culture, which comes from where? Your parents, your teachers, your pastors, and anything around you, including your media. And so then uh, there's argument's sake, you know, tell you're 12 or 13 is usually when your habits are formed in your life, but you're still programmable, I say, until your early 20s. And I think, again, arguably for the rest of your life, you're still programmable. Otherwise, people would not change. Um, advertising wouldn't be so popular because we wouldn't be susceptible to it. So understanding the power behind the programming, understanding that you were not responsible for your own programming because you couldn't be, you were too young of an 
an individual to have critical thinking. Uh, doesn't That doesn't necessarily mean that when things were going on when you were growing up that you couldn't go, that doesn't feel right, but it doesn't mean that you can necessarily implement something better because you didn't have anything to present a better opportunity for yourself, okay? I hope that makes sense. So anyhow, programming, right? Programming in your trauma, um, you have to be gracious to yourself because you're undoing things that sometimes, I mean, depends on when you have your quote-unquote awakening. I like, uh, I don't like to say that I'm a woke person, okay? Um, I mean, I've used the terminology before in a different setting, but that's, you know, I'll get into that another time. But my point is more that I feel like, I mean, I guess I would still say I, I am awakening. I'm not woke, I'm not completely woke up. I'm in the process of this. And in that process of it, the awakening is understanding that I have a lifetime before me that I have to undo autopilot behaviors. And I talk about this frequently because I want you to embed it in your head as well. Because some of, I mean, one of the most common things I get is like, I had a, I had a lady at a party the other night we were in the consultation room and we were talking about some intimacy concerns in her marriage and she would like things to be different. And I was trying to explain to her some opportunities and things to consider and definitely some things to mull over and some exercises to try. And she literally said, bless her heart, I wish, I, I was really hoping you were going to give me like a catch-all answer basically. And all I could say was, I wish I could too, but, but we both know that that's not how it works. Otherwise we would, you know, that would have already been done. So just be gracious to yourself. You know, we've just been conditioned to think that change needs to happen overnight in Amazon prime world. You pay for that service, by the way, that doesn't something that innately comes to you. Uh, you know, you just say, uh, show up at my door, right? Like you just have to give yourself grace. Okay. So anyway, everybody's got trauma and everybody's programming, but not everyone will wake up. So go through the awakening process. And again, that's gradient. So from the base level is what I believe my therapist gave to me uh, a term. Like I started to notice this in my life and she coined it for me and said, I believe you're like, I said awareness. And that was like, when I heard the term, like I'm sure you've heard the word throughout your life off and on, I'm sure. But when you hear the term awareness, described to what you are feeling it was like yes that was it awareness of myself of a higher self of, but not even being able to articulate that there was a higher self that I could understand I mean it wasn't feeling or seeing or touching a higher self it was just something, something bigger than bigger than it had ever been happening before feeling in my life was now happening is basically what it was. So that's, in my opinion, kind of a base level where that is. And anything be below that is that autopilot. We're just doing things because we were taught to do those. And, and my example is, is that I was taught that you would get a job as soon as you could. You would work. You would probably work that place uh, until you retired. And then you would have a life in that, that retirement. And that was a lot of, I think, where everybody's at anyway. But my point is more so that not everybody's going to wake up to understanding that your programming is not necessarily your story. Okay. It's not to say that what Rachel is saying, my life is, is like a, not a nine to five. It's kind of non-conventional. It's, um, you know, more of an entrepreneurial setting. That's not to say that that's what I'm saying your life will be when you quote unquote start to wake up. You may very much enjoy your nine to five setting and that is okay. But what waking up in that instance is still to the higher purpose and passion that you may be needing or wanting or craving to live, okay? But most people are never going to feel like any awareness. Most people are going to live and die their life in their autopilot habits.
And you can look around and I'm sure that you can start to feel that and see that. Like you see people replicating patterns from their parents or teachers or pastors, whoever taught them, right? Or whoever did not teach them for that matter. You can see that. You can look at your life uh, when you start to exhibit your behaviors. And I will also say, by the way, that this is definitely, in my opinion, more common that we end up acting like the people that, um, you know, influenced us. Most often that's the case. But of course, when we have the awareness, even from a very early age, like you don't have to be on some spiritual journey or super religious to have awareness. Awareness can come in a very like young, early age, like I had mentioned, like where you can go, uh, I see the thing in front of me that's being taught to me about how to be a human and it doesn't feel right. That can be something that is very, very strong within you. So by the time you're a young um, teenager or a young adult, you have opted to go, I will never be like the circumstances around me. And then you go out and you be a better human being quote unquote, or you're at least you're happier and healthier, you're more balanced or whatever. That is absolutely a path, by the way. Okay, but most people are never going to do that. They're never going to, they're never going to innately get, come to this conclusion. They're not going to know that there's a better way. They're, they're not going to argue that they're, the way they're doing life is there should be a different avenue. They just, it just, it's unfortunate, but not only is it a realization I've come to, but it is pretty consistently given, I guess you would say, um, or I don't know, you know, when you come across podcasts and books and whatever it is that you're into, like that's just a consistent message, unfortunately. So the reason that was important is because, um, most importantly, not everyone wants to ultimately wake up. Okay. So not only will they not, they don't want to. Okay. And most of that is subconscious. Most people don't know that they want to stay asleep. Most people don't know that they want to grind. No, most people don't know that they, um, don't want to be taken advantage of and so on and so forth. And that's subconscious because it's out of fear. It's out of fear of like, what if, who do I think I am? I can't do this alone. I can't change the world. Um, I can't leave my current circumstances because I'm not capable enough because nobody will love me more, any of those things. And so then those deep rooted fears show up in the actions of, you know, just working the grind. Okay. So I'm going to take it woohoo for a second because, um, why is this? Why is this like 98% of the population is always going to be in this mentality? And I mean, I, even though you hear the, the statistic 98 to 99%, I believe that where we are is a very contentious time period here on planet Earth. So I would say, I mean, I don't know who gets to deem this percentage anyway, but I would say that there's probably more people currently who are waking up, more people who are living in the positive light. Um, and that's why we're kind of feeling lots happening okay I guess would be the way to say it so let's take a woohoo for a second why is it that most people even even if there is a giant shift and more people do wake up um, more people are living through their emotions more they're through their intentions or connecting to their spiritual side the earthy side whatever whatever okay um why will it still be a really high percentage of people who don't okay well on the woohoo side of it is this is the conversation I'm just going to give you my uh interpretation of a lot of things that I've read listen to whatever and you can take what you want and whatever may feel like truth bumps to you that is your truth and and take with it what you want and then go find out the rest of it for you okay so on earth you can't have the light without the dark on earth you can't have that okay that was oscar by the way he murmured okay you can't have it because that is what earthlings believe we believe in duality we believe that there has to be evil there has to be bad i mean there has to be good i'm sorry there has to be bad there has to be good there has to be evil there has to be um divine i guess you would say um there has to be light there has to be dark there has to be um 
life there has to be death okay so there always has to be there has to be divine feminine there has to be divine masculine okay so you're starting to see that there has to be these polar sides and as you already know in between light and dark there's gradients between feminine and masculine there truly is a gradient there is some very fem femmes there's some very dom uh, uh masculine mask masks <laughs> masculine masculines i guess you'd say uh there is masculine feminine there's feminine masculine there's anything in between so everything is really truly a gradient scale but most of us operate from these polar polarities okay and it's always going to happen because in the spiritual realm okay there's seven different planes of existence and on earth we physically as humans we see three we see plants and animals i'm sorry we see elements and plants which is plane one we see animals which are plane two and then we see um and also like trees and stuff like that but and then plane plane three is humans that's us and this is a game okay planet earth is a game in the spiritual sense you come to planet earth you choose to come you choose to come here and play the game so in the in the grander scheme of the spiritual world there is there is still duality but there's less duality meaning that earth is the only place where you have to have both like in spiritual spaces you can live in literal true abundance and feeling of love there is no feeling of hate or negativity it's only pure love and usually that's when you're close to to the divine universe or creator or whatever you want to call it god you don't feel anything but love like that is literally something that is possible on a spiritual plane that doesn't something that we can't touch right now so the reason i tell you that is because even though theoretically i'm sure this is not something i'm very keen to yet uh, in the spiritual realm i'm sure that there is dark i'm sure there is negativity i'm sure there is void uh, because there is always light in the dark but you don't have to exist in a place that has both of those in a spiritual realm which is just so freeing and beautiful but here on planet earth we will always have those things because when we are spiritual entities and we choose to come play the game of earth this is the most dense planet um a lot of spiritual books a lot of spiritual podcasts a lot of spiritual people will talk about the fact that when you incarnate into a human form your spiritual self has chose to do that because whatever reason you've you've lived on other planets you've lived other lifestyles that were just easy peasy like living in abundant love and just like any other reason you would play a game of chess that you would play a video game um you would play a game of football you'd play anything that's competitive in general you play competition because it's fun because you want to test yourself because you get bored of just sitting around doing nothing so this is not different when you come to the game of earth that is duality duality has good and bad it has levels it has things for you to learn so you can become better as your avatar that is that is it okay and that's the fun of it because when you i when you start to understand that it's a game and you have so much more control over a game just like you would if you were playing you can better your character um you know don't we're not unaliving ourselves to start over that's not how this particular thing works but it's when you're on this level i'm on level rachel you can say you know world 35 or you can say world rachel level 35 almost 36 i guess right because i'm whatever okay my point is is that i kind of went on a small tangent there is that in this place polarity here exists and the reason that is because if it didn't the world would implode that's again another woohoo thing is that if you think about how many people like we said high 90s percentage of people who will never wake up so theoretically we're going to code and classify them as negative energy right they might have great lives they might have okay lives but a lot of people out there will never live up to their potential they'll never live through their purpose and passion um and you know they just live their life as 
jazz is, okay? So that's majority of them. And again, it's a gradient scale of emotion. So I'm not saying all these people are depressed and fearsome and whatever, whatever. It's a gradient scale. And when we try to tip the scale on the positive side, um, you know, I am a positive person and I know that I try to look and find the positivity in people. And I think that sometimes that annoys people. And my husband would never say that, but he has definitely said that he knows that's a quality in mind that as I, I give people the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> okay? And most people don't. And I suspect that that would mean that most people from their perspective of the world would say that most people are not happy people. And if that is how we view the world, then that was, is, is, is how it will be, right? Well, why would I need to be happy if everybody else isn't happy? Well, Rachel's going to try to counteract that, right? I'm one positive person in a slew of many. So if I'm one highly positive person in a slew of mediocre positive people or even less than, Think about that on a global scale. It's going to be the same to scale, right? So for every Jesus, there is the population of Earth. For every Buddha, there is the population of Earth. But for every Mother Teresa, there is the continent of North America. Does that make sense, right? So um, there's one Mother Teresa, then there's all these people in North America who feel like poo. So th there is this ratio to that. Because if there was too many people with the high power feelings of good then it would implode the world because it would literally just wipe out the negative, the dark. And so the two have to exist in this game. So you want to think about it basically like, I know it sounds terrible to say like a virus, but a positive virus basically uh, in, in a video game. I don't know. I mean, I'm not hip to that type of culture, so I don't know really what would shut down a video game, but but it would be that same kind of series, uh, that the same kind of consideration because it's just a game. It's just a game. It's just the game of life, Okay. So that's the woohoo side of it. So let's bring it back that when you start to understand and play the game, it's more fun than ever. You take it a little less seriously because uh, you manifest the the world that you want to bring into your, you're like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? Or if you're new and you're like, that sounds kind of out there. Well, let me bring it to you kind of state size, how I like to say that, because uh, I'm a very intellectual person. I come from an intellectual background and the woohoo always like connected and felt right when I heard and learned about it in 2019 and 2020. And so I try to bring the two together for anybody who may be skeptical. And again, it's your journey. So you're going to need to go out and figure this out for yourself, of course. But I hope that whatever I say to you, maybe bring you some, some truth bumps or some inspiration to go and figure out what yours is, because we're all going to get there just on a different path. And I don't expect that anybody's going to be identical to mine because it shouldn't. Our life experiences are different. And um, ultimately, um, I'll tell you a beautiful story. I'm going to put a pin in this real quick, come, come back to playing the game. I'm going to tell you a beautiful story about one of my best friends because I hope that this will kind of help for you to see that basically just I want to compound what I just said is that my journey is not yours so don't expect it to be identical and I don't think that you do but you're here potentially because you're asking questions or you need to know which way to go and I need you to trust your heart when you when I tell you that it just go just put one foot in front of the other and get some action into your intention because the universe will guide you so here's what I'm gonna tell you I've got a bestie and this bestie has been, um, I've known her since she was 13. She's six years older than me. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said that. I'm older than her. So she's six years younger than me. And we've seen each other go through a lot. And we're both married. We both have children now. And um, ironically, like she, she's doing her own stuff in terms of growth. Um, but ironically, one of the things that catapulted her in her journey, we are both like very similar in terms of being wise asses, loud mouths inappropriate like all the time like that we bond very heavily over that and we both used to gossip and we don't do that so much anymore thankfully but uh, my point is more so that the thing that kind of catapulted her growth was conversion to Catholicism of all things Catholicism right 
only laughing because um, I'm, I'll, I'll get to the story so you don't think that I'm an asshole here. But of all things, like one of the tightest, strictest religions on planet Earth. But she told me a really beautiful story on her wedding day about the rosary beads that she was carrying. And um, I have to, I'll try to make this as fast as I can with this, giving you the significance of the story. The rosary bead she was carrying on her wedding day that led to, that didn't lead to her conversion, but she converted, um, and she was baptized, I don't know if that's what you're saying, into, um, into Catholicism in a, in a relationship that she shouldn't have been in. And it was, the rosary beads were a gift from her would-have-been mother-in-law, and they meant so much to my best friend, um, uh, because they came from some very, someplace very, very sacred, feeling very, very close to either Jesus or God, or, um, it was a, um, a feminine entity. I'm not sure. I, I, I know I'm missing up the details of it, but, but she said she feels goosebumps when she held onto that rosary. So I always took that story with me and she got married about a year ago. So I thought about that story very frequently. And then recently we got together and there was three of us and myself and another, um, uh, another friend of ours were there kind of poking fun at her uh, again about being a Catholic and just just because if you can imagine me trying to convert to Catholicism it's kind of the same thing and so that's why we were kind of poking fun of her it was like of all the religions you could have picked that's the one that you picked you know but um, 48 hours goes by and I message her and I tell her hey you know bestie I just want to tell you that even though I am going to probably poke fun at you forever I didn't mention that part but even though I had poked fun at you the other day about your religion it's not lost on me the irony that the religion you converted to in a relationship that was um, dangerous for you was your saving grace. And it was the thing that turned you to finding and feeling a greater power. And the fact that at the end of the day, her and I are actually both just doing the same thing. We're, we're searching for something of security and comfort. And, you know, she said that it meant a lot to her. And she went on to say, like, you know, I know we're on opposite ends of the spectrum. And I said, actually, you know, at the core of what... Catholicism is in its purity, and I mean that for people who practice it for the right reasons, is that you just want to see people through Christ consciousness. You just want to see people through light and love. And that's all that spiritual development is either. So whether you call it God, Jesus, universe, whatever it is that you pray to, and if you don't pray to anything, you're still praying to something out there that you might not know about, like something you don't know and I don't know, but it's got to be bigger than us. It's bigger than humans. It's bigger than humans. There's cycles. There's universes. There's gravity. There's things we can't see. But my point is, is that that's it, is that's it. That's what ACIM is, A Course in Miracles, is literally trying to teach you to see through God, um, through, through God, yes, but through um, Christ consciousness. And Christ consciousness is forgiving. It's forgiving. You know, it's not remembering those who put you on a cross and being forever vengeful. And I don't know if that's what you get from religion, but sometimes that's how I feel. But forgiving those who did that to you because they didn't know any better. They didn't they didn't know that seeing that person in that power, that healing power, that um, capable power, that light and love power, it scared them. It scared them because it was within them and they did not know that. So that is what Christ consciousness is, is forgiving people. It's forgiving people and seeing them through forgiveness eyes. And that takes power and it takes patience and it takes practice. And I'm not fully there yet, but her and I were able to bond very beautifully over that. And the reason I share that with you is because her journey could not be more different than mine. You know, aside from like going to a convent and converting to being a nun or I don't, I don't know what the term is for females and Catholicism, but you, you see what I'm saying. It couldn't be more different, but it still brings us both to a place of peace and patience and love and growth and then spreading that to our children and to the world. 
So however you're going to get there is okay, but a lot of people are not going to get there. And it's sad because playing the game is much more fun when you understand it's a game. There's less pressure, there's more freedom, there's more creativity, and these are the things that we thrive in because before we start to program ourselves and by the things around us at age two and three, what do we do? We live in the moment, right? All toddlers, you can look at them, they're almost always happy and they're definitely always doing exactly what they want. And then we are programmed out of that. We're programmed not to lead with our hearts and find our purpose and passion where we are taught whatever our circumstances are. And for me, that was nose to the grindstone, great, good, good, get good grades, go to school, get a job, be successful and whatever right that was, right? So you start to change yourself to change a collective, right? So this is something I've been talking about pretty exclusively um, over the last, I, I don't know. I mean, like I said, this is something I'm discovering, but I've been trying to speak more vocally about it is that part of my isolation issue was that I was starting to realize that the message was you can't change the world and not in like a, a nihilistic way, meaning like, who, like pff, it's not even worth it, quit doing it. It was you can't change the world because you're one person and you're one person against how many billions of people. You don't speak all their languages. You're not accustomed to their culture. All of that is, you know, up for grabs, like just in general, okay? You're one person. You can't change the world. Collectively, though, what you can do not collectively, I'm sorry. What you can do on an individual level is you start to change yourself. When you start to see people through Christ consciousness or whatever you want to call it, it's not even necessarily that you have to call that. If, if it bothers you to put a religious term on it, which it would have mean in 2018, then you can just say with kind, caring eyes. Is that not correct? Is that not how you would want to view everybody? Is through kind, caring, patient eyes, right? So however you deem it, fine, insert that here, okay? But you being able to do that, have time, have patience for everybody, for being able to stop and pause and recognize your reaction. Is it intentional reaction? Is it to what this person is actually wanting you to hear and say that they are coming from? Or are you taking it from your own experiences and just spitting something right back out? And that's important because not only will that person feel heard, but you get to literally choose how do I, who, how, how do I want to show up in this moment? Who do I want to be? All right. And when you do that, every single time you have an opportunity, which again, is not going to be what you do tomorrow. It's not going to be something that even Rachel can do after as long as I've been practicing it, but I'm getting better, right? I get, I get much better at being able to navigate the 60,000 thoughts a day in my brain. Um, they still fly through, but I'm still doing much better, right? So when you get to operate from that place, that's really powerful because you then choose each and every time how you want to show up. And then not only does that person who you're interacting see that. So what if they're young and programmable, right? You're programming them that that's how they get to choose to react, which is always great, right? Because I get to choose, like, if this person is snapping at me, I get to choose. Well, I absorb that angry, rejected energy or will I rise above and go, wow, that's definitely not about me. And I don't, I don't want to feel that way. So I want to feel a better feeling. And I'm going to say, hey, man, this is how I am interpreting your message. Is that right? Can you give me some clarification so that I can really answer this to the best of my ability to what you're seeking? Okay, so any, anything like that would be great. Okay. But you are, in every action, you're putting intention. So that literally has this ripple effect through that person that you just had that interaction with. And then that person will go in, the next person they interact with, how do you think that's going to go, right? And every person that you choose to interact with, and then how that person's going to react to the next person they're interacting with. That is literally the ripple effect in the collective, okay? And then um, when you're a stronger, more positive person like myself, then you will hopefully bind with other stronger, positive people because they will have a greater effect, right? Because they have the time and patience to be 
patient and present with more individuals throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the month, throughout the year than let's say somebody who doesn't have the time and patience under their belt through personal development to have as many interactions with not only the people they love, but people out on the streets that they may not know, right? So that that's important. That's important because not everybody wants to do that. <laughs> Not everybody wants to be like me in that regard. Um, but I want you to do something really quick for me. I want you to think about your greatest mentors. Your greatest mentors. And they can be people that have been in your life physically. They can be people that have been um, a part of our history. So MLK, somebody that I always think about. It was one of my very, 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 very first inspirational mentors. Um, Brene Brown is somebody that I look towards. Deepak Chopra. Um, Tony Robbins, if he's not racist. <laughs> Um, you know, lots of members of the BLM movement, uh, as well as indigenous rights, all of those kinds of people are people who inspire me and I've never met a lot of them. So I want you to think about past, present and, um, potentially, no, I was going to say fictional, that's not the world I was looking for. But anyway, I want you to think about any of those people and maybe they're still existing in your life. How do they make you feel? What kind of lessons have they taught you? But you can, don't necessarily think about the specific lessons. I want you to think about the emotions when you think about this person and realizing, by the way, that you're not thinking those emotions about them. You're thinking those emotions because that's what they trigger in you. So that person makes you feel a certain way within yourself, obviously, and it feels good more than likely and be what I would suspect that they're a mentor, right? So I want you to put a pin in that for a second. I want you to move to a different thought of some of your greatest enemies, all right? Some people that you just maybe still to this day do not get along with, but but definitely some people that you've had some rifts with in your lifetime that have last left a lasting ripple effect because obviously if you can recall them now, they have, right? How do those people make you feel, right? It's probably in a gradient scale, um, not close necessarily to the first set of people, I'm sure, but you can recognize that. You can recognize that. And what would you rather do and who would you rather hang out with? Which group? Which which emotion, right? Oscar's still growling in my lap, FYI. All right, so I'm going to give you an exercise just really quickly. Take this with you wherever you go. Um, this is something I teach in my empowerment classes. Take all the people that you were just thinking about in your second category, and I'd even take some time to reflect even off this podcast or pause it to really do that second activity. Um, well, that activity in general for groups one and two, right? But everybody who came about in the second activity, second group, I'm sorry, who may have felt made you feel a certain way that was not so warm and fuzzy, I want you to think about how each of those individuals and what they may have brought to your life is just a way to show you how not to be, okay? So this is not going to excuse whatever they may have done to you. Um, it's not to excuse any of the behavior, but it allows for some growth for you. Because like, for example, what I share a lot about is that when I think about my mom, it brings a lot of anxiety to me. It, it's a lot of insecurities about how I'm afraid I will be um, incapable as an, um, an older woman, I guess. Uh, but but I digress. My point is, is that literally I physically feel different when I am in her presence. I can feel my heart race. I can feel my breath quicken and shallow. Uh, so it affects me psychologically. It affects me mentally. It affects me physically. And so what I do, I can't often do this in the moment with her because I'm often, you know, fight, flight, or freeze mode, which is usually kind of freeze mode for me around her. But what it allows for me to do when I practice later and I try to like get my body back to calm is she is not bringing out the insecurity in me of who I will be, right? She's giving me a strong reminder of the person I don't want to be. I go to yoga because I want to be strong. I want to be strong for my entire life. I don't, I don't 
so I'll just say, like, I don't look at my mom and go, oh my God, I don't want to be my mom because she's so unhealthy because that's the wrong mentality. I look at my mom and go, I am so grateful that I have the energy and the time and the desire to go to, um, to do to yoga, to remain flexible. And I look at my mom who literally, <laughs> story for another day, but literally left a McDonald's happy meal on my porch this morning for my daughter. Um, <laughs> with the same exact toy that my daughter received from a Happy Meal toy or meal from my mother last week, unannounced and uninvited. So my point is that when I look at that, as you can tell, there's obviously some unresolved emotion that's going around this story, but I can look at that and go, again, that's showing me the kind of mother I don't want to be. So I can be grateful for that opportunity and which feels better like being resentful and angry which we know that I still am a little bit because I'm the way that I'm telling you this story but on a scale of one to ten it's like a two where it could have been a full-blown ten about being so angry with her and I could have been like this bitch let me tell you the story about my mom right that would have been 2018 kind of Rachel so I'm like at a two instead of a ten all right and then over here in this category of showing me the kind of mother I don't want to be that was non-existent in 2018 it is here today and I don't know where it really falls on the scale but at least it's present for me to kind of supplement to the resentment and whatever else I'm feeling that's low like low level feeling that I don't want to feel okay so I hope you got something from that it's a really great exercise do it all the time all right so when I first started uh, deciding deciding that I wanted to coach not even that I was coaching but even when I started deciding and I tell the story a lot that I was in therapy talk therapy at the time it was my talk therapist that really helped me because y'all I had such a fixed mindset I'm such I feel like I can be such an intellectually bookwormish type person but I have such a fixed mindset sometimes that I was like literally having a panic attack about an identity disorder because I was afraid that moving into coaching meant that I couldn't do pure romance parties anymore um and my therapist was like, why can't you do both? And it was like, it never had occurred to me that I could do both. And it still took some time to figure that out. And I still think it's kind of muddy because people, I don't know if people know like the, that I do two different things and I, I, they're so interconnected that it's confusing anyway. And it gives me a little anxiety, right? But I say this to you because before I'd even decided to start coaching, I, I kind of decided I wasn't going to do it. And the reason I say that is because I was petrified that as I started to understand and learn these tools about coaching and what it meant and what it was doing for myself is that I was petrified that if I started teaching people to do what I had done and figured out that all of a sudden they were going to want to coach as well. And then I was going to be without a job. Oh my God. See, I had such a fear mindset, a fear and fixed mindset that the minute I discovered something that was very passionate to me, something that opened something up within me, I wanted to like all of a sudden not even give it to people. Even though you need to give coaching to people so that you can coach them, right? I immediately didn't want to give it to them because what if all of a sudden I taught them that coaching changed my life and then it changed their life and then they went out and got all of my clients that I was supposed to get. That was how crazy thinking that I was. Like that was not, that was pretty subconscious, but it was pretty conscious pretty quickly because it was like, that is so silly. It's so silly. I'm going to tell you why. Okay. Because number one, how many successful people do you know, do any type of coaching or inspiration? How many can you think of? And I like to also say this, like about like realtors and doctors and nurses, uh, dentists, how, how many of those kinds of people exist and how many of those people are still successful? So there is so much space for everybody who has similar passions and similar uh, purposes. Okay. Number two, there's too many humans on planet earth for one person to physically coach. Like uh, even if I wanted to, how could I ever, right? So 
Uh, there's a new person born every day. So people who need your gifts are going to need your gifts. And, you know, my specific types of coaching are not for everybody. And I like to say my gifts are not for everybody because it makes me feel less insecure because it makes me feel less about saying I'm not for everybody. I'm not really for everybody. But let's say, for example, like my, my coaching demographic is definitely not going to be really probably masculine people, right? I'm very feminine. And not only is it going to take somebody who really, really desires connecting to their feminine side uh, to want to, to do coaching with me, it's, it's, it's just not really my demographic. I am going to connect with people who, who desire to be like me. They don't want to be me, but maybe they're um, in their 30s. They might be mothers. They might be people who want to expand in business. They might be entrepreneurs, but they're definitely people who want to be more spiritual. But that just makes sense, right? Why would you? I mean, I guess I shouldn't really fully say that because like my coaches and my therapists are not necessarily my age range, but there's a lot of other factors that are weaving us together. So my point is, is that you have so many gifts. And, you know, when I, when I was thinking about this, like, it was just like so scary at first, but then it was, I mean, that's where I come from, right? It's like fear, lack, right? So you need to switch your brain and think about how much abundance there is, number one, because it's so much of a better place to be from. But number two, um, understand that your gifts are different, right? And this is what's most freeing is that not everybody's going to coach. Not everybody wants to coach. Not everybody wants to deal with people per se, okay? And at least a lot on the level of intimate level that I do. So I'm going to give you some examples, right? So some of you will still have the same types of gifts in terms of like coaching or therapy, basically helping people to better themselves, like as teachers, right? Like you love little people. So you're in preschool. That is still you bringing your gift to the world. It's still you living through your purpose and passion. And I think that sometimes we just end up thinking our thing is so niche Especially when we see it described or being played out by somebody else on planet Earth that we go, that's it. That's exactly what I want. That's exactly who I need to be. But y'all, I have promised myself I was going to sign up for so many different types of coachings, a financial coach, an intimate coach, a... Um, a feng shui, I don't know, I'm making, I'm just, this is not necessarily, but feng shui, because that's how I had a meeting with somebody about that today, but like psychic reading and tarot reading and past lives reading, all of these things, right? Like I was going to do all of these types of classes because I want to be all these types of coaches. Like I, not necessarily because I want to have all of those types of things. You say you can come to me for anything, but because I literally thought that that's like, that sounds good. I want to do that. I'm, I'm interested and let me learn more about it. But I, I don't even feel like I've like set, a set on something specific and the reason that I say that is because you don't necessarily have to be very specific and niche about your passion. If it's like in the generalized category of helping others, there's so many ways you can do that, right? But like maybe your gift, for example, is one of my favorite people left um, the, the companies that we were with together, doing business together so she could do her own thing as a full-time photographer. What is her gift? Her gift is capturing beautiful moments in time for you to remember. That is what her gift is. And would you have even thought about that as a divine gift or would you have thought about it as a hobby or a job? It's a divine gift to be able to really capture that moment, right? How about like maybe just being a good mom? You don't actually have to have a profession because we God knows like that's one of the most important professions, but nobody's getting paid for it, at least not in the United States, right? So maybe your gift is to be the most nurturing, caring, patient individual you can as you inspire other people to do that in their formative years, so your gift is something very unique to you. And I shouldn't say very unique because helping others is obviously broad, but the way you find to show up on planet earth will be unique. I still think that my thing is unique, right? It's not very specific. It's not a specific niche of coaching. And it's not even like I call it coaching every single day. So 
it is specific to me. My specific gift is that I'm a loud mouth and that I can use my platform to talk about sex without feeling embarrassed and really try to normalize bodies as much as I can and talk about the fact that I'm very passionate about people having uh, deep rooted, connected, intimate relationships, not just in the bedroom, but especially in the bedroom so that you can feel the divine connectedness that is not only your feminine body to yourself, but also to the earth and to the universe in general and feeling that higher connected power because it changes your world when you can unlock the spirituality aspect of it and really dive deep into that um, connection to the intellectual side of it. So the reason I share that with you is because when I started to discover, you know, okay, so not everyone's gonna want to do coaching. Great, so I can get out there and I can start doing the coaching, right? Now, more importantly, I have been, since I've become uh, better at being in a state of awareness, I try to check my ego pretty frequently because if I don't, that thing will still manifest like crazy, okay? And I'm not perfect at it yet, but again, that's why I, I highly recommend A Course in Miracles as, as an opportunity if you're somebody who kind of struggles with finding a practice, quote unquote. Like I like something and for me, A Course in Miracles is nice because it's very non-denominational. It does talk about Jesus and it does talk about, or, well, yeah, Jesus Christ. It does talk about, it uses the word God and it almost exclusively uses the word he and never talks about the word she. But once um, you can get to a level of like, you know, I mean, I just use interchangeably the word universe. And um, I definitely think about the earth as a she, but that's my personal preference. And I can see that in uh, when I'm reading this book. My point is, is that that is a practice for me. So I can try to implement and practice using Christ consciousness or using caring patient, um, whatever words I used earlier, caring, patient, nurturing eyes as you interact with people, right? So anyway, my point is, is I try to check my ego, especially my profession, pretty frequently. I don't like to think that I'm an amazing coach yet. I don't like to think that I am hoity-toity. I don't like to think that Tony Robbins is going to call me tomorrow if he's not a racist and say, I would love for you to come speak at my event. I'm not there yet. I'm okay with it. And I definitely, in my mind's eye, I see myself very frequently, generally, sometimes giving speeches um, on stages to large groups. But more often, I think that I'm usually setting, I see myself setting next to somebody. So I feel like I'm usually either answering panel questions um, or I'm doing like coachings with people. I'm not sure what it is, but it feels more like that. So I, I mean, I can't get that out of my mind's eye. I don't know where it's coming from, but I'm just going to put it out there to the universe. And so the reason I say that is because like, I like to be aware of my place before I'm put in it. Okay. Like I don't want to be somebody who puts my foot in my mouth. I know that that probably can and will happen. And I really hope that I'm in a place where I can say, yo, thanks so much for educating me. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize. And I definitely did not mean to offend. And I apologize for my behaviors and I'll, de I'll definitely do better next time. I really hope that I'm, <laughs> I'm not too prideful to be able to be in that position, but I also just like to check myself before I get into that position. And I think that maybe that's a responsible human thing to do, right? Check my privilege, check my uh, anything at the door. Um, so I try. And the reason I say that is because I know that in 2020, that was a year that I was pushing to connect with people because I was so excited and energetic. I was high because I had been in this flow where everything had been going my way um, in the best way possible. And no, like I said, no ego in that. Like my business was thriving. Uh, I was getting, I had gotten married. So my uh, relationship was on point. We had moved into this big, beautiful home that was like exactly what we needed out of a very small um, energetic space that was not fitting for us. Uh, we had and we had our baby girl who was like when we moved in here she was six months old so she wasn't quite a year yet so we had so much well no she had she was just turning a year either way it doesn't matter there was so much great happening for me and I wanted everybody to feel that I was curious and um I was uh, like I said energetic and excited but I was curious to 
finding a way for everybody to feel what I was feeling and knowing that it was possible for them. And I was all over that. And when I say that, like, I was pushing to connect with people, I never felt out of place. Like, I never felt like I was stepping my balance. There was a couple times where I definitely could feel the waters turning in some conversations where I was like, okay, I'm going to back off of this. But never took it offensively or personally. It never damaged, um, as far as I know, any of my relationships with people. I don't, I, I mean, at least from my side, as far as I can tell. Oh, that's not true. Anyways, now that I'm saying that out loud. But anyway, so not all of my relationships survived. But... In 2020, I was so geared to connect with people. I was doing anywhere between 20 to 40 connection calls a week. So those would uh, be anywhere between 30 to 30 minutes to 60 minutes, depending on um, whatever. But I was connecting with a lot of people and it felt good. I mean, I had high energy so I could do it. I'm not complaining about how many calls I did. And a lot of them I did for free. I'd say 99.9% of them I was doing for free because not only was I trying to get some coaching under my belt and I was really excited to do it, it was 2020. It was a year that people were really needing connection. So it was like the perfect year for me to kind of use it as an interim for me. If you would have had to have some kind of um, intern period, right? Like that was, it was great. Like I got to help people I loved. I got to connect with people. Um, we got to really um, bond over a really crappy year anyway. That's Oscar shaking his head. So it was great. It was great. But for the most part, it was well received, especially for anybody who was not within my direct inner circle. Um, and I don't say like within my, my, my family, like my husband and my kids, um, I would say like in my inner circle, people beyond my inner circle, especially my clients and stuff. I mean, they could see, they saw things were changing uh, and they loved it. They couldn't get enough of it really. Okay. So, um, the reason I say that is because in this year, the thing that has really kind of shifted and changed for me is that doing 40 calls a week was a lot. Okay. So like, I think initially I really thought that I was going to, um, come out hot that way. Like I was going to do 40 calls a week because I wanted to do 40 calls a week and it was important and necessary for that time in my business, but it also pivoted me into completely understanding that I did not want to do 40 calls a week. I don't even really want to do more than like 10 calls a week. And I don't even operate at 10 right now. Like I operate at maybe three to five calls a week. But then again, I'm building my business. And the reason I share that with you is because uh, I was really, I started off on changes. So I'm kind of squirreling back here is that not everybody wants to do what I'm doing. Not everybody wants to do what I'm doing. Not everybody wants to be uh, like on the same type of level of where I'm at. And the reason that this is important for you to hear and for me myself to accept number one, um, because it broke my heart and it still does for those who won't see that there's a better way. Okay. There are some people who are always going to feel sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. There's always going to be people who are creating their own suffering and they're never going to know it. They're never going to know it. There are always going to be people out there who, um, have benefited from a victim mentality or were programmed into a victim mentality and will never be able to see their full potential or even partial potential or even some potential to get out of their current circumstances. And it breaks my fucking heart because I think that my mother is one of them. I just had a conversation with my husband this morning about that. And I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, that's a conversation. It's definitely a whole podcast for another day, but having somebody that close to me, of course it hurts because it feels like I don't feel obligated to help her, but I do feel like I should know better. And I th that this may be even a universe test because it's so close to me and I'm going to have to, my, my shadow self's going to have to get over myself and figure it out. Right. So of course it hurts my heart that some people will never get there and haven't gotten there. Number two, it puts resistance into the people not changing. Okay. Um, it just switches distracted energy focus to them instead of me. And so here's what I mean. When I put resistance into the fact that the people around me in the world are not changing and they're not choosing better for themselves, for everybody else, 
that is not only it's resistance so it's it's bad bad mojo for me resistance isn't a good feeling right but it's just a distraction for me to judge for me to sit on my pedestal and say like get your shit together go to church go to talk therapy how, how dare you not you know that is just me getting distracted by the things that they need to do for themselves and probably means that I need to do some of that type of work on myself. That's really what it is. I need to make sure that I'm always focusing on me, right? Because when I focus on me and I meditate and I pray and I eat clean and I go to the gym, maybe not all in the same week, but I'm flowing and ebbing um, as I can, right? When I'm doing me and I'm giving myself the chance to act from my highest self and Oscar's still shaking, nurturing, caring, patient eyes, right? I choose how to show up in each individual experience, in each individual action, each individual conversation. So I'm tuning it back to me so that I can have the ripple effect again that we talked about before, right? Okay, so it's full circle. It's full circle that I, if they're doing something to me, that's me again. They're not creating it. I'm choosing that emotion. That emotion's bubbling up inside of me and I need to get back to where I was. All right, number three, Number three is the hardest one that I'm kind of in the process of right now is that understanding that because I'm not for everybody, quote unquote, the more specific and less painful thing of that is that not everyone needs my gifts is that you fine tune your audience. And that is hard because I've heard even in pure romance, people will say, you're not for everybody. You're not for everybody. You're not for everybody. And you want to be for everybody because you don't want to be rejected. And you also think that your message is probably important enough that you want everybody to hear it, right? But understanding that you're not, okay? And I used to take that personally, of course, because I'm like, how can I not be for everybody? My services are so important or my thing is or whatever. But not everybody's ready for intimacy coaching, are they not? Maybe you're not even. You're, you listen to this podcast because you're not really ready to delve into the shadow side of the sensual self, maybe. I don't know, but fine-tuning your audience is important because not everyone needs your gifts right now, including mine. Not everybody's ready, okay? Not everyone can do business with me if they're not necessarily ready to fully open up to feeling. Let's say, for example, if you're a makeup artist, obviously you're not going to play to everybody whoever is not into makeup yet because everybody should be. But on the flip side, something kind of masked as an example, if you teach about cars or car um, repairs, it's not necessarily going to appeal to everyone yet, even though it should, because everybody should know how to, to, you know, repair their car, but it's more of a masculine thing. So everybody's going to have an audience and eventually maybe you'll be widespread, but you need to fine tune who your audience is for now. So you can not only help them because then it will really dwindle down those numbers from a global scale to your actual audience scale. So those are the people that you will be able to reach authentically who will actually hear your message, who are not here to waste your time because they're not ready, whatever, okay? So why am I sharing this podcast with you today? Why was it whatever? Like, I mean, I literally had um, a call not be able to make it today. Um, and so 15 minutes later, I pulled up the content for this because I was like, well, F, I'll just get this recording out of the way, right? So why did I decide to go with this? Well, I think it's just, uh, sometimes it's often just divine timing. The universe is like, here, this is what you want to talk about today. And this is where it comes from. I usually don't have these pre-planned. It's based on what I am feeling for the week. And so number one, I am sharing this because uh, for myself, okay, it's my podcast, right? And I definitely feel like when I get some stuff off my chest, I accept and process things. And that's what I'm doing today is I'm processing that I'm not for everybody. My gifts are not for everybody. They're not ready for me. I'm processing that I'm narrowing down my audience because I don't want to work 40 plus hours, 60 plus hours, 80 plus hours a week. I want to be successful and I want to be secure. 
um, and wealthy in my own regard, but it's on my own regard. So I need to accept and say these things out loud more often so that I can process that my idea of success is not even like most of the mentors that I follow when it comes to success. They are on a scale that is 100x of what I do, not even 10x of what I do. They're 100x of even what I want to do because I have children and I have a family and I'm, I'm not, I used to would have said lazy, by the way. I'm not lazy. I just like to take things, go with the flow. And when you have a very, 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 very high profile, successful business, you cannot really be a flow as you go type of person because you have meetings and expectations and goals to hit. So anyways, I'm saying that all out for me. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'm just saying that all out for me because I'm going to let me stop wasting your time. Number two, the reason I started decided to share this is because it's for you. It's for you to clarify your purpose and your passion. Okay. You might feel like you're all over the place and that's okay to have interests and curiosities. Uh, that's what weekends are for. Okay. Really your whole life is for that, but most of you are nine to fivers and you know that like maybe those are what your two days a week for. That is like me. That's five to six to seven days a week because that's how I choose to live my life. But you will be able to go and clarify your purpose and your passion. Make sure that you discover your gifts. Make sure that you fine tune them and then give them to the world, right? You might find, like I said, a lot of different things you're interested in, but really, what is it that you give back to? So maybe you like, let's say, rock tumbling because you like to polish rocks and they're beautiful and you like to collect them, but is rock tumbling something that you teach other people how to do, how to find find those rocks, how to take care of their tumblers, how to uh, make sure that their rocks show up nice and clean? That is the purpose. That's your purpose and passion, okay? The other thing is just a hobby, okay? So that's number two is for you. And number three, of course, is for us. It's you, me, and everybody else. I share this because the more we continue to connect on things like this and understanding that your thing is not my thing and I accept your thing and I'm so grateful for your thing because not only do I get to identify what your thing is with you, well, that's my thing, right? But uh, not only do you get to identify your thing, but you get to share it with me in the world and I get to appreciate it, whether it's because it's a rock that you tumbled and it's now a part of my glass collection or whatever it is, whether it's because you got to sing on stage and I got to watch you perform and it moved me to tears how much you loved what you did, whether it's because you wrote a book that changed my life uh, on any, any way of life, okay, or any category, I should say, whether it's because you grew a garden full of fresh, beautiful flowers and I was able to put them into my kitchen and appreciate them, uh, whether it's because you taught a class on how to can your own vegetables and I learned how to do that because it's something that was close to my heart. Any of these things, those are your gifts. Those are your gifts, okay? So when we connect, nothing stops us, right? Like we know, okay, so we're not going to implode the world, but it doesn't mean that we can't make it a less scary and fearful mindset base for the 98% that are walking sleeplessly when we're here to operate space anyway. So why not make it the best experience we can while we play the video game? I am like Princess Peach on level 36 next week. 36? Princess Peach, I definitely wanted to be her. Okay, okay. So choose, and Yoshi. I would play Yoshi and Toadstool for some reason. I was never Mario or Luigi. I don't know why. Because I'm not a man with a mustache, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, um, I really hope you got some value from this podcast today. I poured a little bit of my heart and soul into it in 15 minutes making some notes. I'm pretty proud of that. Like, uh, I, I hope that this really resonated with you. And if it did, of course, make sure to tell me. Uh, favorite the podcast, screenshot it, tag me in your, your stories or send it to me. Let me know. I would love, 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 love to know um, what you were thinking about it or if you got something from it. And especially if you feel like there's something that I can do for you in your life or somebody that is close to you that I should be connecting with, whether it's intimacy needs, uh, mental and physical well-being, spirituality, purpose and passion, or their wealth. Oh, okay. The dog, <laughs> the dog just had to take us out with one more noise for the podcast. Not only is he stepping on my papers to make some noise, I think he got his, um, his little dew claw stuck in the carpet. So thanks so much for that, Oscar. Okay. Now, 
Don't forget to click on the link tree to connect with me um, in lots of different ways if you need or want. Uh, remember that Facebook Messenger is the easiest way to connect with me, but I do not have a preference because I want to do whatever works best for you, of course. And I really hope that as we are sliding into this autumn to winter season that you are just going to do everything you can to make sure you put yourself first that you can then pour from an empty glass so make sure that you stay happy you stay healthy you wash your hands you go to talk therapy you get a life coach you go to a gym you move your body you sleep a little more you eat a little cleaner you breathe a little better you drink a little cleaner water more water in general and all the things all right bye bye i can't even do this very long because my voice is too scratchy have a good night